I'm gonna need to get some information. Okay, uh, how old? 26. Oh, <laughs> uh, she's just a baby. Uh, what, six, seven months? Exactly. When's her birthday? Guess. June. Unbelievable. Well, it's my field. Guess the date. Why? It's your field. 30th? Now that is unbelievable. You're good. Wow. Hello and welcome to another... Uh, blah, 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 take two. Hello and welcome to another episode of That So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. I'm joined again by Mr. Terry Mondry. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Excellent. We're here to talk about, from the year 2000, or maybe 2001, depending on where you look, uh, what I believe, maybe, I'm pretty sure, the first movie I've had on this show, believe it or not, to have a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. To have a 0% what? On Rotten Tomatoes. No kidding. Yeah. There's been a bunch of movies that I've had that have no score at all on Rotten Tomatoes because of... A professional critic has never put their eyes on it, <laughs> but this has this six has a zero. It has six reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, all negative, so a zero percent. <laughs> we're talking about a movie that does not exist, so it's amazing that we were able to watch it. Right. It's called Nobody's Baby, and considering that it's only what twenty years old, has a bunch of named people in it. It is shocking that I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> the uh, the cover of the DVD has a reviewer saying that it is an excellent, funny, and heartwarming film. I figure that the review is anonymous, possibly because no one wanted to be credited saying that this was an excellent film. Yeah, they should have gotten a hold of that guy for Rotten Tomatoes. They'd have like a 20%. <laughs> This is very much from the that time period of like late 90s, early aughts, when all you had to be, like independent film was just be quirky. It is that. Be quirky. That, people love quirky, right? Nothing else, none, nothing else matters. The performances don't have to make any sense. The script doesn't have to make any sense. But if you're quirky enough and your characters are just shy of weird enough, people are going to love it. Not so. It is quirky. This movie is written and directed by a gentleman named David Seltzer. I'm gonna I'm gonna list off the things this man wrote that you will recognize, and you will be shocked that he also wrote this. He wrote The Omen, Willy Wonka and the Fucking Chocolate Factory, <laughs> My Giant Dragonfly, that movie with Kevin Costner about ghosts or whatever the hell that movie's about. And also the remake of The Omen, <laughs> which I've all, is another movie that does not exist. I completely forgot until like two weeks ago that they remade The Omen. It I was, knew that they remade it, but I haven't watched the It was news to me. So yeah, that's a pretty when decent... When I was looking at his, his list of, of films, all I saw was the two The Omen movies and a bunch of stuff I'd never heard of. Um, I missed the the, uh, the chocolate factory in there. Yeah, he is. It says uncredited, so who knows if he wrote 
the entire thing or just did re rewrites or touch-ups or what? Okay, he was somehow involved in... But he did some writing on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He for sure wow. wrote The Omen. Right. And My Giant, do you remember that? It was, um, I think, Billy Crystal and... It's not Andre the Giant, is it? It's some huge basketball player or something. I do not remember. Maybe. But, yeah. And then he also wrote this. <laughs> and um, wow. This movie... First off, or maybe by now this is third off, I don't know, but why am I blanking on names right now? Gary Oldman and Skeet Ulrich is their less iconic duo that you can think of. That is absolutely correct. Like two people that just just don't seem like they should ever be in a movie together. <laughs> Have now proved that they should never be in a movie together. And this is, I mean, speaking of Quirky and Gary Oldman, this isn't quite on the level of Tiptoes. Are you aware of Tiptoes, sir? No. Oh, oh I'm sorry. You have not seen the movie Tiptoes. <laughs> um, you need to rectify that immediately, because it is the batshit craziest movie ever, in which <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and Gary Oldman play twins. Gary Oldman plays a little person. He's literally walking around on his knees the entire film, <laughs> pretending to be a little person. Kate Beckinsale is pregnant with Matthew McConaughey's baby and is worried that it will also be a little person because everyone in the family is a little person except for Matthew McConaughey, who is a quote-unquote normal person. It's wild. <laughs> And you should watch it. Gary Oldman is walking around on his knees the entire movie. Yes, he permanently injured his knees in real life to make that terrible movie. Oh my god. Yes. He still has like some kind of lingering knee injury from filming oh an entire movie god. on his knees with shoot like like Dorf does golf or whatever those things were with Tim Conway. That's what he's doing the entire movie. It's just him on his knees <laughs> pretending to be a little person and it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. And what's crazier is... Oh God, I, would, I almost wish I got tiptoes. We could do an episode on that. Peter Dinklage is in the movie. With a weird oh, French accent. my God. But instead of casting Peter Dinklage as the lead little person, they cast Gary Oldman in... Like, if you pretend... like if Because Peter Dinklage is like, yeah, fuck that. Well, he... I'm not playing that role. He wasn't, like, huge yet at that point. It was an old enough movie, but... Patricia Arquette is in it. Like a bunch of people are in it. And she has cornrows for no reason. A, a good cast? Yeah. But it's insane. It's an absolutely insane movie. <laughs> I, I, could, I could keep talking about Tiptoes forever. To my list. Just to avoid talking about nobody's baby. But yeah, check out Tiptoes. You will, it will change your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you won't believe what you're watching. It's insane that it was someone paid to make it, and then it came out. Um, okay, nobody's baby. Let's see. We've got, yeah, Skeet Ulrich and Gary Oldman. Uh, almost, I wouldn't say unrecognizable Gary Oldman, but he's definitely, like, he has, like, a, he has, like, Larry Fine from the Three Stooges hairdo. His teeth are jacked. He's got glasses and a mustache and a scrag. Like, he just looks like the anthropomorphic embodiment of white trash. <laughs> he's just... 
Right. Right. I um and a southern accent. The uh his his facial hair alone threw me off. I didn't recognize him right away because of that. Since he's got the like South during the Civil War mustache going on. Yeah, and like and like mutton chops and like yeah, the whole, the whole deal. And a southern I mean chops and, and mustache. I'll say this for him, and it's the same as in Tiptoes. He's rocking like a southern accent, and he he's committed 100%. Like, I don't know that he's ever phoned it in. It doesn't necessarily mean he's no. doing a good job, but he's not fucking around. Like, he's putting himself into this. He is. <laughs> More than it deserves, probably. So we get, yeah, it's the two of them who are, let's see, Skeet Ulrich is Billy Ray Dean, not Billy Space Ray Space Dean. It's Billy Ray Dean. His last name is Ray Dean. R A D E E N. And Gary Oldman, who is Buford Dill. And they have, we sort of see through a history of mugshots their lifelong relationship. Well, actually, at first, it starts with this weird black and white flashback of a baby maybe getting shot. Someone is holding yeah, a baby, and then a gun, like, comes into the side of the frame it, and it shoots. shows some dude sitting in a, an easy chair, yeah. holding up a, a, a baby to, a, like, you can see the ceiling fan in the background. And then from a different angle, it shows somebody sticking the barrel of a shotgun through an open window to shoot either the man or the baby. What assumes it, the man? It's, it's unclear who's getting shot. I assume the guy's sitting down, but if that's the case, yeah. My my theory is that that was a a concerned citizen who was saving that baby from being put into that ceiling fan. But, yeah, so that, we don't really totally get an explanation of what that is, but what you would gather is that Billy was sort of orphaned or whatever, and kind of fell under the wing of Buford, who's older than him. And together they have sort of grown up. Buford's kind of always, quote-unquote, taken care of him. And by taking care of him, I mean they've just been partners in crime. <laughs> He's led him down a road of crime and arrest. So that, that first baby that we see is Billy of a baby. That's, I, that, yeah, that's what I have to assume. They don't tell us that, but <laughs> I right. think so. That makes sense, it's the only thing that makes sense. Um, they're in court for their, what, 27th arrest? This is their 19th arrest together. And so the judge passes down a, a sentence that I don't know is legally... Bindable is not a word, but... <laughs> you know what I mean? Legally binding. Right. Is that they are to never see each other again. <laughs> Which... <laughs> right. You know, he's like, you're a loser. You're a loser too. All you've ever done is help each other be losers. I'm going to send you sentence you each to ten years because they robbed a post office that they yeah, say they like, had. We didn't the... steal anything. We broke in and read the mail. Yeah, and we had the keys. Don't worry about how. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, he says I'm sentencing you each to a ten year sentence in on in the condition that you never see each other again. Yeah, in prisons on opposite sides of the state, and you are never to see each other again. Well, how are you going to enforce that? Ten years from now, they get out of prison. You can't stop them from going. Like, right. It's, right. It's an insane sentence. 
Also insane is the running gag going through this movie of Buford's rectal itch, which... And it is throughout the whole movie, yeah. I guess it's supposed to be funny. Right. <laughs> but he go, he's going on and on about how much his asshole itches, which is yes. really useful information. It will have no bearing on the plot, ever. No. It's it has just... no bearing on the plot, and yet it comes up in many scenes. But it's quirky, man. That's what people want. Right? Right? He keeps borrowing <laughs> chapstick from people to self-treat. Yeah, he's basically, any chance he gets, he will get a stick of chapstick and deposit it in his ass. Yes. <laughs> Which is, you know, valid screenwriting. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. <laughs> Man. Also, when they're in court. Yeah, even on the, I noticed after I finished watching the film that on the uh, the cover of them, the cover of the movie is showing Billy is has the baby with him and Buford is groping his own butt. I mean, <laughs> come on. When that's like the defining trait of the character, so much so that you're putting it on the poster, what what right. are we what are we doing? What is this a Tom Green movie? What is happening? I don't, right. I don't understand. <laughs> is he about to be fire hosed with elephant jizz? I don't. What's that? What's going on? Right. Unless this is Freddy Got Fingered, I don't. I don't understand this poster. Uh, so it would have made more sense if it was Tom Green. <laughs> I'm also, probably a better movie. Right. Not for nothing, Skeet Ulrich, but um, I like you in Scream. End of list. <laughs> so they're in court and you've heard something about oh ask my wife about something and the bailiff's like yeah we called his wife she said screw him <laughs> and everybody right. laughs at him including there's like other people that are getting ready to be sentenced that same day over in the jury yeah. box including a big native american who like chuckles and laughs when that happens which causes a ruckus once they get outside and they're being loaded into the van to go off to prison. Buford gets into it with this guy, and a scuffle ensues. And when the guard comes to break it up, his keys fall out. And so then there's, you know, a pile to get. So the the prisoners have the van keys, and take off in the van, leaving Billy behind. And Buford Buford's calling to him, "Cactus pie, cactus pie," like it's which doesn't mean anything to us yet but it's some sort of code word or something between them so he'll know something yeah apparent some like when the um during the initial scuffle billy got loose from the the chain of prisoners not exactly sure how that happened but i think it was just that he was the last person in line yeah because buford's still shackled to all the other guys who all yeah. jumped in the van to get to right. escape so they they've right. all escaped but they are now separated and uh, Billy's on foot, and <laughs> we get, and this runs through the whole movie too, this narration of his, this voiceover, where he is memorizing a letter that he plans to write once he can get a hold of some paper. Apparently he does this all the time. But it's not narration based in the present time that he is in right now. We are hearing narration from the future. Yes. <laughs> because he's talking to this baby i mean well, I can, we can jump at it. it does not fucking matter at all but 
the very end of the movie is him writing a letter to this baby who's like older now. And so through the right. whole course of the movie, we hear him narrating to himself this letter that he will eventually, from memory, write to her at the end of the movie. But there's actually a funny line that actually made me laugh. He says, uh, he's like, I'm memorizing this letter to, so I can write it down later, a system which has failed me completely in the past, <laughs> which <laughs> made me laugh. That was, that, there's, there's actually a couple funny lines here and there, but for the most part, A, the jokes don't land. B, the joke's in the wrong place. This movie has no clue what its tone is. Because sometimes it's a goofball comedy. Sometimes it's a serious drama about <laughs> adoption and abusive boyfriends and throwing babies off of boats. And <laughs> and sometimes it's like a thriller, a crime thriller. So it's all over the place and does not know what it's doing. Right. Yeah, the, the character who is... Uh... Who is abusive to? He he is always abusive. He's consistent in that. He's abusive to to children and to adults. To literally everyone who crosses his path, he has nothing good to say. Yes. So Billy's walking along the road, and he comes across this station wagon. It's got what appears to be a mom and a dad and like a six-year-old girl in it. Um, they have a flat tire, and the agreement that is made is. If he changes their flat tire for them, they will give him a ride to the next town or whatever. So he fixes their tire, and then they take off without him and renege, renege on the deal. So the next time we see him, he is, I guess, we don't know if he has, I assume he must have permission because the truck driver doesn't seem terribly shocked to see him in a minute. But he's, like, hitched a ride in the back of, like, a moving truck full of right. stuff and the doors rather than shutting him in there the doors just hanging open which i which i mean is plot wise is important but i don't know is how you would actually do things right but it's yeah it's nighttime he's looking out the back of this moving and this truck. station wagon comes driving up behind the truck and somehow the station wagon he has gotten ahead of the station wagon <laughs> i guess they had to stop somewhere and pick up a baby or something but <laughs> It takes a while before any of this will make any sense, but right. So he moons them as retribution, flips them off, and moons them as retribution for ditching him earlier. Yes. And the driver flies into a unconsolable rage <laughs> and tries to go around this truck and winds up causing an accident. And they fly into like a telephone pole or something, right? A uh, bridge abutment. Or a bridge abutment, even better. And the truck sort of crashes against into and kind of gets stuck scraping against the side of the tunnel yes. of the bridge. But so he's like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to do that. So he jumps out. He tries to get the driver to, like, come help, you know. The driver's like, I'm not insured. <laughs> You're on your own. So Billy not being actually, you know, I mean, he's a shitty, petty criminal, but he's not like an evil person. He's going to go try to help these people. The dad is clearly dead. He's got like the steering wheel embedded in his face. The mom, the mom is... is hanging through <laughs> the windshield and is still breathing. Yeah, but some... that won't last for long. Somehow feet first through the windshield also. Right. <laughs> I don't know how right. the physics of that worked. But yeah, she's laying on her back on the hood of the car, half in and half out of the windshield. We do not see that six-year-old girl at all. No. So yeah, I have questions. Either... 
she has also been killed, and we're just not going to show it, because... Like, look, you set up that there's a six-year-old girl in this car. No, she does die. Because the newspaper article later says the mom, the dad, and the six-year-old kid were killed in a car accident. Yes. But they you, they try, do their best to make you forget that there was a child in this car. Because that, that newspaper, it's passing reference to the six-year-old is the only other reference you get to her. When Billy is investigating the, the crashed vehicle, he does not see that six-year-old instead he does see the baby yes an unrestrained <laughs> with no car seat infant the baby that we hadn't seen that he hadn't seen in the vehicle until it had crashed no because it was it was not there my guess is when he first saw them they had not picked up the baby yet and when he sees them the second time they have because the baby is, like, buried under a pile of, like, clothes and shit that were just loose in the back of the station. Like, again, okay. not in a car seat. They hadn't picked it up yet. <laughs> they just, like, bubble-wrapped this kid in clothes. and put her... <laughs> But the six-year-old we do not see. He does not, you know, like, oh, okay, well, you don't want to show us a dead six-year-old, whatever. But then don't put the six-year-old in the car in the first place. Right. You know? And then tell us later, oh, yeah, that six-year-old died. Well, <laughs> no, you know. But, yeah, when we um when when he does see the six year old, the six year old is sitting not in the back seat, but in the uh, right near the the rear of the vehicle because he sees her when he opens the like the tailgate. Yeah, yeah. When he opens the tailgate of the station wagon, and he like pushes something aside. I don't remember what he's moving a pillow or something, and that's where he sees the six year old. Yeah, she's like laying in the back of the station wagon with no seatbelt on, just like in the storage area. Yeah, hiding under a bunch of stuff. So we don't. Right. Who knows what's going on with this car load? Right. But he sees the baby. There is gas pouring out. This magical trail of gas that makes a very conscious conscious beeline for the sparks that are flying off the back of the moving truck as it's trying to extricate itself from the tunnel. Oh yeah, it's, that, that stream of gas is um, is like straight out of Final Destination. It's, 100%. There's, there's no reason for it to be making the beeline to the, the station wagon that it is. No, it had to change direction four times to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. So he's like, oh shit, oh no, no, no. So he grabs the baby, and he says to the woman who, and then again, this is the tone. Is this supposed to be funny? or? But no, it's not. This is horrific, because this woman is still alive, looking at him as he snatches this baby, and like gasping for air, and he's like, sorry lady, bye lady, and just leaves her there to get this baby away from the car, and then the car fucking explodes. Right. And he makes jokes about it later, when he's... There's a well, I'll, I'll get to it. But he makes jokes sort of at this dead woman's expense a little bit later. So it's like, what? I don't understand. You can't give me exploding car family and then be like, yuck, yuck. You know? Right. <laughs> Let's all have Wasn't a giggle. Funny like, they died? that's a different movie, man. So, oh, he also managed to set his pant leg on fire trying to put out the trail of gas. And good on Skeet Ulrich because his leg is actually on fire. This is not a stuntman. It's clearly, he's liar, 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 pants on fire. So he has to get these pants off. So he's running around in his tidy whities The baby's just in a diaper, which it 
fills with the most disgusting shit you've ever seen, which, right. which he cleans off in a sprinkler. Keep holding the baby upside down, mind you. It's very important that he... Yeah, he's, he's, he's holding the baby face down while he's spraying its bottom. Once yes. he sprayed most of the crap off of its bottom, then without putting it onto its back, without looking at its front, <laughs> somehow he off his, up to that point, clean or clean-ish t-shirt and uses that as whatever. Yeah, he's like, you better not shit on my Megadeth. He's got a Megadeth t-shirt. So he fashions a diaper out of his shirt to put on this baby without ever looking at anything but its butt, apparently. Right. <laughs> this uh, It sounds dumb what we're saying, but it'll make sense in a minute when we get to <laughs> why we're leaving this information out. Or why the movie is, I guess. But, so now he's walking around in just his underwear with a baby, <laughs> and he finds a clothesline, like you do, with that just happens to have... Like a baby, it's almost like a snowsuit, like a like an infant snowsuit that he puts this kid in, and giant overalls for himself that he's carrying the baby around in like a papoose, and comes across a diner, where Rada Mitchell is working, yet another familiar face, Rada Mitchell from Silent Hill and what else? Lots of stuff, right? I always uh, see Pitch Black. Oh yeah, Pitch Black. Um, I didn't she, realize until I was looking at the filmography, the various people that that um, Pitch Black and this movie were not filmed terribly far apart in time. No, they would have been pretty close together. She's playing Shauna Louise. She's I don't know, just seems bored at work. But we all, we also we never see the cook or anyone else. So I don't know who's <laughs> she's man in oh, this place solo I, or what. I also know her from Man on Fire. Oh, yeah, Man on Fire. So he finagles from her some pie and warm milk, which is actually her recommendation, because she's like, it's a baby. Babies can't eat pie. (laughs) Idiot. (laughs) Give it some milk. So it warms the milk up for you. And he's trying to pour the milk into this baby's mouth, which, of course, is disastrous. And she's like, no, no, no. Babies like to suck things. Put it on your finger. First off, gross who didn't wash your hands secondly you that's not you're not getting that much milk that way a hungry baby that's getting like a drop at a time no right and then also i guess because it wouldn't show up very well on camera i don't know what they have in this class it's not milk it is so thick and so white (laughs) like i think it I, i think it's ranch dressing because he sticks his finger in and pulls it out, and it is his finger is coated That's in white true. stuff that is not milk. Because milk would just drip off, and you wouldn't really see it on your finger anymore. That's true. And he puts it in the kid's mouth, and the kid gets like a milk mustache, except it's a thick, very white, like, <laughs> it's not milk, whatever this is. Heavy cream, maybe, at best. But I suppose it wouldn't show up on camera otherwise, but still. So she gathers very quickly that, like, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> it's like, where's the baby's mom? And this is where he jokes. He's like, oh, she's not in the picture. She's like, is she just let you take it? And she's like, no, he, she was pretty burnt up about it. <laughs> that's, that's right. No, he, um, that is, the, like, the community health nurse is who that conversation is with. No, there's a conversation with 
the waitress. So there's more than one. No, I know there. So there's more than one conversation in which he jokes about the, yeah, the woman. That very, the, that very well could be. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then it's something about, she's like, oh, what, did the mom take off? And he's like, at the end but, there, you know, I think she did. <laughs> Which is, that's true. again, like, come on, man. I know you didn't know this lady, but Jesus. Right. Have some respect. But uh, then he's like, yeah, so I don't have a car or any money. Sorry. Thanks for the free pie. Like, do, are there, is there anywhere with like a bottle? Can I get a bottle around here? And she's, you know. She's like, yeah, the store, there's a store. The closest place that would sell it is a ways away, and you don't have a car. So, But I happen to know somebody who might be able to help you out. So come home with me, I guess. Well, she does say, like, hey, I don't let men I don't know into my car, so you should feel like you should be lucky you have that baby or this wouldn't be happening. Takes him or them back to her trailer park, which is very isolated out in the desert. Like, it's a ways out. Also, when trailer park is generous, it's like four, it's four trailers <laughs> that are not very close to each other, but brings her to her friend and neighbor who lives in the trailer right across from hers, Estelle, who's played by Mary Steenburgen, another very familiar face in this very unfamiliar movie, who it turns out has just had has had a baby recently and gave just gave it away and gave away all the diapers, all the formula, everything. Yes. So she's no help, it seems, except that, and this is very silly looking, when the baby starts crying, apparently she gave her kid away recently enough that she is still lactating. Because when the baby starts crying, the, the drip, 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 drip that is coming out the front of her shirt Yes. <laughs> of like, yeah, it's crazy. And she's. And they're, they're, I don't know. If, I don't remember if they're playing cards or what they're doing. But there's the bear in there, and then Gordon Tatusis. Not sure how to pronounce his last name. And Anna Gunn are her friends that are also in the trailer with them. Yeah, there's Anna Gunn who plays Stormy. Anna Gunn from, of course, Breaking Bad, playing Waltz wife and yeah a, a native american gentleman whose name whose character's name is dog havasu which is another <laughs> right up there with buford dill as a right. bullshit movie name yeah they're they're hanging out as well and they convince she's not happy about it but they convince estelle since she's lactating anyway and she says like i'm taking i'm taking pills i'm taking medicine to dry to dry my milk up but it hasn't yeah, worked yet or whatever. So they convince her to breastfeed this baby so it'll stop crying and, and whatever. So it's it's a very awkward and uncomfortable situation for everyone, including us. Yes. And this is kind of, yeah, we've kind of met most of the gang now of quirky characters. Yeah, Dog Havasu is, yeah, he's a Native American satellite installer who is trying to build a giant tp out of bottle caps which is very important information for us to know because quirkiness <laughs> it's not at all his job does not matter we will never see him working on this tp of bottle caps we'll see him sitting on a giant pile of bottle caps and we'll see the tp at the end during the happy ending montage but otherwise it is useless information other than 
Is it ain't that coiky? Exactly. It's aggravating. So Shauna Louise goes across the road to her trailer where her living boyfriend has pulled up, who is Vern. Vern, yeah, played by Peter Green, who was Zed in Pulp Fiction, and he was Redfoot in The Usual Suspect. So again, someone else, you're like, how do I not, how does this movie not exist <laughs> until right. I just found it today? It's like Schrodinger's movie. This movie may or may not exist, depending on if you open the box or not. Right. <laughs> Gary Oldman and Skeet Ulrich maybe made a movie together. They might not remember it, and you sure won't. But let's watch it and find out. And we also, yeah, we immediately learn that Vern is abusive to Shauna Louise and her dog, but that she likes it, which is not a plot element I needed in this movie or any movie whatsoever. Because <laughs> he starts like pushing her around, and it's Billy and Dog are standing outside, and Billy goes to like intervene, like, hey, he's like, that's not right, he's beating her up. And Dog's like, whoa, 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 hold on, watch this. And he pushes her down, and then he picks her up, and he's like, oh, you know I don't mean to hurt you, baby. And then the lights go out, because they're going to fuck now. Exactly. Because it turns her on to get beat up. And I'm like, fuck it, really? <laughs> really? The fact that you have all these neighbors who are supposedly good people who have said nothing and intervened in no way on your behalf and just let you get beat up by this dude on a regular occasion because they've convinced themselves that you like it is weird. I don't, no thank you. I don't like it. Yeah, the, um, the next time we, we see her, she's got a black eye. Of course she does. So Billy calls, well, Cactus Pie, we learn, is the name of the bar that they're supposed to be like their meetup point if they ever get separated or whatever. So he calls at Cactus Pie the bar, asks for Buford, Gets Buford on the phone and tells him, like, hey, I'm at this trailer park in Tess in Nevada. And also, I like, I've got a baby. And Buford's first reaction isn't, not even, it's not even, the fuck do you mean you have a baby? Where did you get a baby? He does not ask those questions. The first thing, his first thought is, we could sell that baby. Yes. <laughs> like, he's already... His first thought is, what's the next scheme? Because he's such a low-life piece of shit. But he never even exactly. asked, like, how did how did you get a baby? Why do you have a baby? What are you talking about? It's just instantly... Whose baby do you have? Yeah, not all... Nah, yeah, none of that. Just, we're going to sell that baby. Someone wants to buy a baby, and we're going to sell it. And this is our jackpot, you know? Exactly. Because, he, yeah, he wants, he wants to find out whose baby it is and sell it for... Yeah, ransom it, basically. Billy comes back from that call and Dog is outside and he's like, hey, so this, because he's kind of told them at this point, it's off screen, we don't see it, but he narrates that he fills them in on what's going on. He escaped from jail and he found this baby in the car crash and all this stuff and it's not actually his baby, but and apparently this baby has not needed to be changed since the sprinkler incident right? because it's news to everyone because Dog pulls him aside and he's like, Hey, how did, you know, like, the baby was hurt during the car crash, I guess. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, like, you didn't see the, what is it, like, you didn't see the bruise or something? Oh, and also, his penis fell off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is kind of a funny little moment, but 
Because it's realization that this baby is a girl, and he never bothered to even notice that somehow. Right. And no one has noticed it until just now when Estelle went to change a diaper and was like, oh, no, this is a girl. And he told us it's a boy. Maybe that's the instigator of him having to explain to them what's going on. And Billy is, uh, he has people explain it to him a few different times before he finally understands that the baby is a girl. Yeah, he's still on the uptake, this Billy. <laughs> None of this figure of speech stuff for Billy. He doesn't get it. No. He needs everything spelled out real clear. So he goes to pick up Buford. He takes the baby with him to pick up Buford from the train station where Buford is. Yeah, buys a stick of chapstick and takes it into the bathroom with him. Because <sighs> this is things we need to spend screen time on. <laughs> This is precious. Because yes. this is like, what, this is like a two-hour movie, right? Or like an hour and 55 or something. I can tell you where your first cut should have been to get this thing down <laughs> to a tight hour and 45. It's any reference to Gary Oldman's brown eye. Thank you. But, uh, and Billy had just, when he went to talk to Buford, just left the baby sitting on a bench. And this lady picked it up and was like, shame on you. I hope you, someone does steal this baby from you because you don't deserve it. What are you thinking, leaving this baby? <laughs> yeah, it was hour that's and 50 right. minutes. Yeah, that's... Mm -hmm. And 10 of those minutes are dealt with Gary and <laughs> with Buford and his anal discomfort. Yeah. Weird stuff. So they... Oh, he's he's found the article, and the article the article that we mentioned that is about the car accident and the mom and the dad and this control girl were killed. And there's no mention in this article about a baby whatsoever, that a baby was killed or a baby is missing. It's as if this baby does not exist. No one is looking for this baby, so they don't know where to turn to. So Billy calls the newspaper, and it's like, hey, I read your article about. Is that who he calls? He calls somebody, and he's trying to figure out. I think he, he tries calling the family. Yeah, he gets the he gets other relatives or whatever name from the article calls them, and he's like, and he's oh. got Buford standing right next to him when he does. <laughs> Mistake. Yeah, he's like, hey, we have your baby, and Buford grabs the phone. And is like, and you're gonna pay, we're gonna we're gonna kill it if you don't give us money or whatever. Which <laughs> like, ease into it, man. But Billy's just trying to, like, get information or whatever. And they're like, nope, no baby here. We don't know what you're talking about. We don't want no baby. Bye. And he's like, that's weird. Exactly. <laughs> it's weird that this is the titular nobody's baby. Like, I don't understand why no one is missing this baby. Yeah, as soon as there's a, a reference to there being a baby, the family's, I have no idea what you're talking about, and hangs up before Buford has a chance to demand ransom. Yeah, they think rather he, he demands ransom, and he's like, hello? Hello? Yeah, they assume that they're being pranked or something by just assholes who are being mean to grieving family right. members or something. But, yeah, he's like, tell him we'll kill it. So this guy, right. I mean, and I assume he doesn't mean that, but still, it's rough, right. man. And he also, so, and at this point, the baby starts vomiting red stuff all over some hapless guy that was holding it and Buford's like oh he, meant, he must be a demon he's like that he's like Damien so the writer of the omen referenced the omen in this shitty movie that he wrote <laughs> like, 
he's probably reminiscing as he's writing dialogue for this, going, oh, remember when I wrote The Omen? I do. Right. <laughs> but when I wrote movies that didn't suck. He's puking up red because Buford has fed this baby french fries and ketchup, which Billy wasn't keeping an eye on him, I guess. Billy's like, you can't feed babies ketchup and french fries. It doesn't, that's not what it eats. And then the baby's choking. So luckily there's like a clinic. They call it a hospital, but this has to be just like a little clinic. This town doesn't seem big enough to have its own hospital. But no, it doesn't. And it's but it's like a block. Right there. They've got to be right next to the the clinic because they like run outside and right next door is the the clinic that they bring the kid to. Yeah, it's like a block away. So they're very lucky because there's he's just he doesn't know what the hell to do. He's not right. even trying to do you know he's not trying any kind of Heimlich. He's not on his last option or anything. He's tried nothing. He's just running down the street like a chicken with his head cut off. Oh God, my right. baby's choking. And luckily, there's a clinic right there. So he runs in, meets the, yeah, there's a doctor there who has grown him with questions and pulls a pepperoni out of the baby's throat that it was choking on. And so Buford also fed it pepperoni pizza, apparently, as well as french fries and ketchup. And the doctor, this lady doctor says to him, what, what's the setup of it? She's like, you gotta, you're going to tell me what's going on because this could be considered, you know, neglect and child abuse. And I could press charges and put you on a lie detector. No, you can't. Yes. You're a doctor. You could call the police <laughs> and ask them nicely to do those things for you. If they but deem, that is what she says, yes. If they deem it necessary. But she, yeah, she says, like, like in this room, I am going to strap you to the lie detector I have in the next room. Like, no, you know, you're a pediatrician. <laughs> <laughs> At like the free clinic, you know, you have zero authority over anyone. But maybe she knows he's dumb enough to fall for it. I don't know. But she's the dumb one because he hoodwinks her very easily. That's true. Putting on, I guess, his charms? Question mark. Because <laughs> he, yeah, she's like, how old? And he's like, twenty six. She's like, no. He's like, oh, the baby. Uh, why don't you guess? She's like, oh, well, it is my field of expertise. I'd say probably five or six months. He's like, good guess. You're so smart, doctor. She's like, okay, but date of birth, though. He's like, you should guess because it's your field of expertise. I don't know, June 30th? That's right. Like, he just, he pulls the wool and over her eyes so much. This. Yeah, no, no follow-up questions. No, like, huh, it's weird how he got me to feed him that information. Yep. She's... Not as smart as she thinks she is, I guess. But, so now he has papers, which also, yeah, you don't get to just, you need a birth certificate or something. I mean, he does, yeah, he explains to her that, like, yeah, the mom took off and I'm here with the baby, but you still need some kind yeah, of proof. Yeah, this, this, this is the second time that he jokes about the mom being dead. Yeah. And, but, uh, and but, then he... But this doctor where, gives... Where do I sign? She says, where it says father? Yeah, and that's the first time it, like, it... He was like, oh, I like the sound of that. Like, you know, he's getting into the idea of all of this. But the fact that this man has no paperwork or proof whatsoever that this baby is his. No. Appears to have zero experience with babies whatsoever. Does not know its name because he has to make up a name on the spot. He names the baby Shauna Louise after the waitress, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't know the baby's birthday. Has to get her to guess all this, you know. 
and then gives him paperwork that is now legal proof that this baby is his. She doesn't ask him for any ID. No, zero ID. <laughs> she just says, write the your name there. The closest we get to ID is that she takes a, a photo of him with the baby. It, with, that's all. That's actually kind of funny because she's like, all right, I'm going to take your picture. And he turns to the side like it's a mugshot because that's what he's <laughs> used to. She's like, no, 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 face me. But yeah, other than taking a photo of him with the baby, but then she gives him like a legal document with the baby's footprints on it that has the baby's now brand new legal name, legal birthday, and his signature as the father. Right. And it's from nothing. Poof. It's it's missed. <laughs> like it was all made exactly. up on the spot, and it's now. Right, because she wow. doesn't she doesn't ask for a birth certificate. She doesn't ask for a driver's license. Nothing. nothing. Nope. She went from uber suspicious to his puppet in a matter of 30 seconds <laughs> yeah she's terrible at her fucking job or she's trying to do someone else's job i don't know maybe she wants to be a cop she's bad at that too um next scene they are on Vern's houseboat i guess he's kind of a little rich boy his parents own like a houseboat business and he's kind of a mama's boy secretly and he acts like a tough guy but they're out on his houseboat they're all hanging out even though I mean, they don't really like each other necessarily, but I'm uh, trying to get along because he has, right. Billy has moved into, there was an empty trailer where two people died that they've just let him and the baby like crashing at the trailer park. Yes. So Billy is talking about the future and like, you know, I think I'm going to keep this baby and he's not really flirting with Shauna Louise at all, but they're definitely friendly and Vern does right. not like it. He, yeah, he's saying disparaging things about Billy and Buford. Buford does his chapstick trick again and asks Vern if he has chapstick, which he does, which he takes into the bathroom with him and brings back out to him. And then, because I guess because it has to be the punchline, because line, it's hilarious, he immediately Vern immediately applies the chapstick when he hands it back to him. Like, first off, don't lend people your chapstick; they're gonna put that on their mouth at minimum. Right. Gross. And secondly, he just handed it back to you and you immediately put it on yourself. Give that shit some time to dry or something. You know, but, <laughs> but no, so now he has Buford's asshole chapstick on his lips. Ha <laughs> ha everybody. Ain't that funny? Exactly. In this movie about <laughs> abusing women and roadside oh, yeah. familiacide. So Vern, Vern is like, I don't like you. Billy, you're here, you're trying to fuck my woman. And he's like, whoa, I didn't say anything like that at all. And Vern grabs the baby, goes into his boat, and reappears on the roof of the boat with the baby wrapped up in like like a checkered tablecloth or something. Because they'd found out that Billy doesn't know how to swim. And he chucks this tablecloth wrapped bundle, bundle straight into the ocean. And... Or lake, or whatever they're in, I don't know. But right. so everybody dives in after it, including Billy, who can't swim, so he's kind of struggling. The two girls, so Shauna Louise and Stormy, are kind of yep. the fastest swimmers to get out there. And he's up there laughing, you're like, Oh, you're gonna learn to swim now. And they're all screaming at him like, God, oh my god, and Shauna's yelling at him like, You are an evil shit, fuck you, you know. And they get to the they get it and they pull it up and it's not the baby, it's the dog. The baby is safely he swapped him out when no one was looking he still threw a dog off the boat and tried That's to drown true. a dog 
and trick you into thinking he's the kind of person who would throw a baby in the ocean. <laughs> yes. And Shauna still goes home with this man. Yeah, it's a it's a little enough dog that you can't tell when it's bundled into a blanket that it's not a baby. And when it's bundled up like that, it also can't swim. It starts sinking. Yeah. And we as the audience don't know that it's not the baby. Right. I mean, you could maybe kind of guess it or something, you know. But if you're not the kind of person who's thinking that far ahead, you think you just saw in this comedy movie a man throw an infant into the ocean to die. (laughs) What is this movie? What tone are you trying for? You don't know. Right. Like you said, the the mood, mood can vary quite a bit. Yeah, 30 seconds ago we were doing the ap- the asshole chapstick gag. Yes. And now you're throwing a baby into the ocean to die. <laughs> yeah. What is happening? And, yeah, so they all get the dog, not the dog, the person, dog, Havasu, smashes the boat door down with a fire axe that was out there and retrieves the baby and lets everybody know, like, oh, no, the baby's here, the baby's safe. But still, how are any of you ever talking to this man again? Right. Like, oh my god, get us to shore, we are getting off your boat, I'm leaving your ass, and I'm moving in with Estelle, <laughs> and I'm, I don't know what, calling the police on you? I understand that they have this codependent, like, this toxic relationship and she, that she feels stuck in or what, which, you know, happens. But Jesus Christ, if there was ever a place to draw the line... Right. It was today, ma'am. Joking about infanticide would be it. Yeah, tricking you into thinking that your boyfriend... And for whatever reason, you've decided to put up with him physically abusing you. And that's not enough to push you over the edge. But knowing that he thinks it's funny to make you think he's the kind of person who would kill a baby. Right. Out of spite and jealousy. I mean, I, there's no redder flag than that. It's time to go, man. <laughs> like, wow. But not only, does, not only does she go back with Vern as if nothing has happened, she tells... Billy, when she drops him off, because she, she gives Billy and the baby a ride back. Not Buford. I don't know who Buford drove with. Maybe Dog and Stormy. But And she basically tells him, like, well, when I got so excited about the baby throwing, I skipped a part. Estelle has a whole monologue on the boat where she's like, you're being stupid, Billy. Do you know what a baby costs? Like, never mind diapers That's and formula true. and this and that. They're going to grow up as you keep this baby. They're going to need braces and school books and band uniforms that are 60 bucks a piece. And, like, this is a lifetime of monetary commitment you're talking about, and you can't do it. You should give that baby away like I give mine away because you, this is not for you, man. And when Shauna Louise drops Billy off, she basically tells him the same thing. She's like, Estelle's right. You should get rid of that baby and get on with your life and also get away from me. What? <laughs> like, you were super friendly before your psycho boyfriend went off the deep end. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I understand, you know, kind of the psychology of abusive relationships, but I just... Right. Her motivations and where her head is at in this movie is so all over the place. It's hard to keep track of. <laughs> for be, Yeah, for being in a comedy, this is a really dark relationship. Yeah. Oh, here's where they learn. Here we get our next super familiar face. Because Estelle's like, hey, get in here. There's some, after the commercial, there's going to be this thing on TV. you got to see it. And it's Ed O'Neill, who is 
on the news being interviewed, he's been swindled in an adoption scam where, you know, he was told by this shady lawyer, yeah, I have a baby that you can adopt. Don't worry about from where, I guess. But here's like official paperwork with the attorney general, the state attorney's general, attorney general's <laughs> signature on it. that He's going to frame it. My wife just wants a baby so bad and she's so sad and all we want is to get this baby. I paid $10,000 and no baby. The baby never appeared. And so Estelle's, you know, thinking that's that's the baby. That's this guy's baby. And we know that guy. That guy is Pink Slip Pinkney. His whole gag is he'll go out to the casino and he'll wait for people to... He runs a used car lot. But the where he gets his cars from is he'll go to the casino when there's big money guys there who are down on their luck and they're losing and he'll bet them their pink slips for their fancy cars and then when they lose he gets their car and then he takes it at the car lot and sells it so he's he's got quite a and and duford's very impressed he's like that's a hell of a scam that's great <laughs> i wish i right. would have thought of that so this guy's a dodgy dude to start with but now so they've decided they've deduced whether correctly or not. i guess we never know if their assumption is correct or not. I guess maybe it is, but that he was, the this baby was illegally on its way or maybe extra legally on its way to him when the car crash happened. So right. they go to his car lot and Buford's trying to talk, tell, you know, talk Billy through it. Like, no, go in there mean, don't take any shit, show them your teeth, that's scary. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they're in the, sitting in their truck on the side of the road and and uh, Buford is trying to coach Billy into how to do this. And they are right, a, right across the street from the car lot, very yes. much within eyeshot. <laughs> right. And probably earshot. So Billy runs across the street, approaches Pink Slip Pinkney, and is like, hey, I saw you in the news. We have that baby. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, the baby that you want so bad. We'll give it to you for $20,000 or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I got bad news for you. I don't want that baby. My wife wanted that baby. I'm, I'm What I want is the $10,000 that lawyer ripped me off for. I could get, not give a shit about that baby. And he's like, right. no, but we'll, like Buford told him to, he's like, no, we're, we're going to kill it though. Like we're going to rip it to pieces. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care about that baby. I didn't want it. All I want is my 10000 I want a, I want an Evan Rude. Yeah, whatever. What even is that? I'm not even sure what they... I think about. it's a, a outboard motor on boat. Oh, yeah. True. And he says, and I got worse news for you. There's surveillance cameras all over this used car lot. Your face is on it. Your stupid friend is leaning out the car window looking at us right now. His face is on it. Probably your license plate, too. So you have 48 hours to bring me the $10,000 your boss owes me. Because they assume that he, he assumes that they're the bagmen for the guy who ripped right. him off. Right. Or I'm going to release that footage to the authorities and you guys can go to jail. <laughs> so, yeah. So Billy goes back and explains to Buford that the meeting did not go well at all. Right. <laughs> Which is another it's kind of a funny line. <laughs> Billy's like, how do you think the meeting went? And Buford goes, I don't think it went well. I don't think it went well at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. And that's, that's what kind of sucks is there's, there's so much talent in this movie. The pedigree of the writer and director is pretty solid. And there are little flashes where you're like, okay, that was funny. If there was more of that and less of the chapstick shit and 
the dark stuff, you know, like that's from a whole different right. movie. This could have worked. This could have been like kind of a funny little like crime romp, but it's not. It's all mixed up. It doesn't know what it wants to be. So at this point, their backs against the wall. Billy agrees to. He's like, "Look, Buford, I like I want this baby. I gotta get this baby." She's like, "My kid now," which Buford is still like, "What? This is stupid. <laughs> like, you are not in any position to raise. Everyone in this man's life is telling him you should not have this baby." Right. It's insane for you to do this. It's bad for her. Her life is going to be terrible. Please let this baby go. And he's like, nope, it's my baby now. So Billy agrees to... Buford's for years been trying to talk him into doing some big $50,000 robbery. And Billy's always been like, no, that's too big. We're like penny, you know, penny ante criminals, so we only ever get like little stretches of time. I'm not doing like federal shit, you know? But I guess if they robbed a post office, that's federal. They should have gone to federal prison right then. But yeah, they should have. But now he says, "Look, we'll do that robbery you always wanted to do. We'll find we'll find a place. We'll rob it for fifty thousand. I'll take the ten thousand I need to buy the baby, and you can have the rest. And then we'll part ways. If you think I'm so stupid and you don't want anything to do with this baby." And Beaver's like, "All right, cool. Now where are we gonna rob?" Luckily, that day they have a conversation with Stormy, who's like a showgirl or something. And she says, I just happen to know a guy who runs a pawn shop. They just got a bunch of jewels in there. And he's willing for $1,000 to let people come in and stick him up at gunpoint and pretend that he doesn't know anything about it. That way his ass is covered. You know, when the police question, they're like, oh, hey, look, you saw it on the camera. They had me at gunpoint. What was I supposed to do? And they're like, okay, cool. Where do we get a gun and where do we get $1,000? Like, they just, they have nothing. They have no, every step of the way, they have no plan. But... They kind of have a plan, I guess, because Buford's like, hey, you know what? Tess, the ex-wife of mine that I'm obsessed with, that I wouldn't shut up about. Most of the time we see this woman in flashback, she's butt naked. Because that's how he always describes her to Billy. Right. Which is another weird thing in this movie that feels unnecessary and out of place. But he's like, I did all the plumbing in her house, and we may not be together anymore, even though I'm still pretty obsessed with her, and I think I'm going to get her back somehow. But she owes me $1,000 for all the plumbing I did, so I'm just going to go over there and tell her she owes me $1,000 and get it from her. All right, cool. And I guess Vern has a gun, so go over and talk to Sean and Louise and get his gun. Which, I don't know, why did you think that plan was going to work? Because the last time you saw her, she was telling you, I don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> right. leave, leave my abusive boyfriend alone. She's just going to give you his gun now? So Billy goes over to have this, to, ostensibly to borrowed his gun from Sean Louise, but he never mentions it once. Instead, they have a conversation about, yeah, well, it's him basically asking her, like, why do you let him treat you like that? To which she doesn't really have an answer. She has a, a metaphor about a cactus that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> there's a giant he, cactus up on the hill overlooking the trailer she, park. She envies the, envies the cactus because it doesn't need to be touched. Yeah, her, this is fucked up. <laughs> this, what a terrible message to send. Her, and I guess maybe it is the actual psychology of, of victims sometimes, but basically, yeah, basically her explanation is, I, I'm so in need of touch that I will take whatever touch I can get, even if it's a fat lip. Can't you just let me have that? <laughs> like, right. It's gross. It's a gross, gross, gross thing. But yeah, does he does not bring the gun up at all, and he's like, so when I no. when I leave, you should run away with me, and sort of, which she doesn't 
really argue with, but doesn't agree to either. And that's kind of where the conversation ends, and he does not ask her for a gun whatsoever. No, he doesn't. So they go to get this money from Tess. So they pull up to the house. She comes out and hands Buford, you think she's handing him the money. What she's handing him is a bundle of creepy stalker kidnapper letters that he has sent her. <laughs> that was like from cutout magazine letters, you know, that are like, oh God, what do they even say? One's like, your new boyfriend has a small dick or something. And the other one is like, I don't remember, but it's... <laughs> not the, the the content of the, the notes doesn't even make sense, but that uh, Buford thinks it's funny that that um, she is asking about it, and he says, yeah, I think. Yeah, he has no shame about it. <laughs> right. It's just how he communicates, I guess. But clearly, this dream he has of getting, winning this woman back... St- stereotypical ransom notes is the way they're formatted. Yeah, it's letters cut out from magazines and glued onto construction paper. <laughs> like, spelled out that he has sent to her, and she knows it's from him. So, But they're not even like threatening. They're just like weird little... I guess it's his idea of love notes. I don't know. But she's like, hey, is the, is the $1,000 for the plumbing the price that I have to pay to never see you again? And he's like, sure, that'll be fine. She actually gives him a little extra to like make sure, like... No, for real, yes. don't come back here. <laughs> like, I'm giving you... Ex- so she just has $1,000 cash sitting around in her shitty little house? Yes. That's weird. And even if he called ahead, I don't know. I thought that was on that odd. But... We know like, nothing about the the guy that she's with. No, she's with some other guy now. But, but this is, again, this is Oldman bringing it when he doesn't have to in this movie that is not worthy of his talents... Because he gets back in the car and he's laughing with Billy about, like, you know, oh, yeah, I got the money. And then he just bursts into tears. Like, in the middle of laughing, he starts, starts sobbing. sobbing. And it's such, it's really, really good acting. It is. That is too good for this character, too good for this movie. And again, it's one of those moments you're like, God, you almost had it. You had Gary Oldman and you gave him other than probably just this moment, you gave him nothing to do. <laughs> Other than, because right. he's like dancing in her yard all goofy. I'm like, what? Gary Oldman. Come on, man. Yeah, he, um, I I was looking for interviews for why, like, seriously, why did anyone agree to be in this movie? <laughs> I'm sure you can't find them because this movie doesn't exist. He, um, he's the only one that I found a, a reason. Gary apparently said that he chose to be in this movie because he was tired of playing villains and he wanted to do a comedy. And unfortunately for us, he chose this one. Yeah, this is, I mean, comedy is generous. And I don't know that this character isn't a villain also. <laughs> since he does true. want to ransom a, a child and threaten to kill it. So I guess That's compared true. to someone like Vern, he's a good guy. But I don't know. He's not, really, <laughs> not a good guy either. So who knows? So now they have the $1,000. They... So they've got the cash and... Then we go. Well, before this, they pull up to the pawn shop they're supposed to rob. And the guy that they're going to rob is standing outside. And they pull up and they're like, hey, we're going to rob this place in a couple of days. Do you know who to talk to about that? And he's like, well, shut the fuck up. <laughs> what are you doing? It's broad daylight and you're shouting out your car window that I'm going to let you rob this place. How did you even know I was the guy to talk to? I might have just been some random jerk off. <laughs> what are you doing? Get the fuck out of here. But apparently they set this up 
through some kind of back channels, probably through Stormy, because the next time we see them, they're in church, and they're passing, they put the $1,000 in a hymnal and pass it to him. Yes. And it's not sneaky at all. It's super obvious no. to anyone who even vaguely looking in their direction. But right. and then Buford can't help himself. They get outside again, and he's like, wants to talk to this guy. And he's like, hey, there's a guitar. There's a guitar I hanging want the in the guitar, too. Yeah, the, I, I saw a guitar the hanging guitar. in the window. When we robbed the place, I want the guitar, too. And he's like, dude, we cannot be seen together. The whole point of us passing the money secretly in church was that so no one would know we know each other. Now you have to wear a mask when you come rob the place, which wasn't part of the plan before. That was on you guys if they, right. people recognized you, but now they know that you know me. Why are you fucking this up so bad? <laughs> this is supposed to be simple. He's like, oh, okay, you got it. I guess we'll wear a mask, fine. And now... Yeah, there are... It, it's one of one of several scenes to establish just how completely clueless both Billy and Buford are. But even when people are trying to call their attention to help them being stupid, they don't get it. They don't understand that people are pointing out to them that they're being stupid. <laughs> you, have, you have people actively trying to help you commit a crime and you are fucking it up. Right. It explains how they've been arrested 27 times. So, exactly. <laughs> it all makes sense now. And now, entering the movie, another familiar face, and a side plot that it's way too late in this movie to introduce this element. I guess they needed to, but I don't know. We needed more of it sooner or something, because Matthew Modine arrives in his airplane <laughs> and shows up at Estelle's trailer and is like, Hey, I'm back. Where's our baby? Because he's the guy who knocked her up. He was married, had an affair with Estelle, she got pregnant, his wife left him, and he's been gone for however long, and he's now shown up, and she thinks, and this is, this is kind of her moment of good acting, because it's all facial, because he comes in and he's like, hey, I set up a collar sweater for this kid, and this and that, and the other thing, and you can tell that she thinks he has come back for her. Right. And when he says to her, like, you know, oh, I have a new fiance now. This guy moves fast. I have a new fiance now, and she's going to be great with this kid. And you see it cross her face, and you see her face fall, the realization that, oh, he's not here for me at all. He just wants this baby. And I've right. been fooling myself to think that this man wants anything else to do with me. But he thinks, because she's babysitting the baby Shauna Louise, or Lucy, I guess we, I guess we call her that to separate her from the waitress. Right. He thinks that that's his kid. And so he's like, well, I, I'm just going to take this kid, I guess. And Billy walks in and he's like, uh, no, that's my kid. You're not. I have paperwork to prove it. And Matthew Modine's like, what now? And Sonny is his character's right. name. And she's like, yeah, jerk off. I gave, I gave your baby away. You have 60 days or whatever after you give a baby up for adoption to change your mind. And that's... It's been longer than that since I heard from you, clearly, because that time has right. come and gone. That baby is gone, and you will never see it. He's like, why didn't you call? And she's like, I left messages on your machine until you disconnected the phone. Well, because... Like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, because one of the messages she left, his wife heard, and that's why his wife left. It's because she left voicemail messages. She maybe, well, she might not even... She probably didn't even know he was married. He's probably that kind of guy. But... Yeah, she left a voicemail for her, uh, 
I guess this is probably before voicemail, an answering machine message for him saying that she was pregnant and his wife heard it and that's why she left. But yeah, so he's come to get this baby that is no longer available. And so he kind of dejectedly, it seems like he really wants, like now that he's in like a healthy relationship or whatever, he wants this baby, he wants something to do with Estelle, but he wants this baby and he knows Estelle can't take care of it, but he can, you know, and give it, he can give it a good life. Too late, buddy. Too late. You fucked up. But yeah, that's just a whole nother, that's why this movie's almost two hours long. Because like this is a whole nother, that's a whole side plot. <laughs> like we had right. all the information we, we really, that we needed. Estelle had a baby, she didn't want it or couldn't take care of it and gave it up for adoption. That's all we need to know. Right. And now this guy rides in. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this now. This is the third act of a different movie. But, okay. Well, Vernon's there too. And he's trying, he's like egging Sonny on and kind of passive aggressively making fun of him. And Sonny's not catching on to it because he knows what the deal is before, as soon as he got there. He knows that baby's gone. And he starts yelling at Billy. And Billy says, like, like oh, you don't want you don't want to get in a fight with me because I'm not a woman. Like you usually only fight women, right? Right. <laughs> Which I mean, good zinger, but right bad in this situation because it pushes Vernon over the edge in front of everyone, not giving a shit. He grabs Shauna by her hair and drags her outside and starts beating her up, just in front of everybody. And nobody but Billy is gonna do a fucking thing about it. I guess Matthew Boudin has left at this point. Maybe he would have done something, but he's already gone. He stormed right. off. But he couldn't have gotten that far, because this is like 30 seconds later, but anyway. But again, Dog's not doing anything, Stormy's not doing... No one is coming to this woman's aid, except for Buford's not doing anything. But Billy goes out, gets in a fistfight with Vern, is losing a fistfight with Vern pretty badly. <laughs> like he's getting folded like laundry, this guy. Right. And Shauna runs across the way, into their trailer, gets the shotgun that... If if Billy had done what he was supposed to do in the first place and gotten that shotgun, that gun would not be there. And all of this would have been avoided, maybe. But Right. She grabs a shotgun and she comes out and she's yelling to Vern, who has Billy kind of like in a headlock. She's like, let him go so I can shoot him. He's fucking up our relationship. He's got a big mouth, you know. And Vern falls for it. <laughs> right. And lets Billy, like pushes Billy away so there's some separation between them. And she shoots Vern with the shotgun. And everybody's kind of shocked. I think she shocked herself because her reaction to this is to throw the gun down, run to her truck, and drive off. Like, sobbing. Like, she's... I guess, I mean, she realizes she realizes what she's done. She's just killed someone. Hopefully it's that and not that she's sad that he's dead. But it might be that, too. But so she takes off. Now they have the shotgun they need. They just straight bury Vern's ass out in the desert. By that big cactus. And that's the end of Vern. Just a shallow grave in the desert. But not that far. Right. I mean, it's like 40 feet from the trailers. So if somebody comes looking, they're not going to have to look real hard. No. Once again, they're not planning very well. But, so now the robbery is on. They get there to find, they've got nylons on over their faces. And they come into the, they come into the pawn shop and find that it is already being robbed by a different crew of unrelated robbers who Buford... Yeah, when um, when they first hear when Billy and Buford first hear from Stormy 
about this this pawn shop guy who is willing to let them rob him for a thousand dollars she just mentioned it's kind of offhanded that she knows that these aren't even the only people that are aware of this deal and they they she tells them that they better hurry and so when this scene happens and and they billy and buford see the the uh the mask killers there's well obviously they waited too long because this other couple of mass killers showed up yeah they missed the they, having already paid the thousand dollars yeah they missed it by 20 seconds <laughs> too late right only they had gotten that gun sooner like he was supposed to but yeah so they're face to face with these other masked armed gunmen buford straight up murders one of them like he blasts one of them with the shotgun dead right with no like no no ceremony no like he just again what movie am i watching <laughs> this was funny 10 minutes ago and now we've got we've had two people in the span of three minutes get shotgunned to death True. and the other one like takes off upstairs and buford's chasing him because billy knocked his pistol out of his hand so they know that like right well buford also got his ear shot off by this guy yes <laughs> So Buford can't hear him. Billy's trying to warn him, like, is he telling me he's got his gun back? No. I don't remember, but he's trying Buford, to... Buford does end up on the, the second story, and it turns out that there's the... The second story isn't finished at all, to the point that there's just this open space above the doorway. And... He, he's got the guitar. He grabbed the guitar that he wanted. He has it strapped on his back. And he's running around with his guitar a, on his back. He has it strapped around his back. And then one of the villains shoots him. And after he's already gotten his ear shot off, like shoots him in the, the, the gut or somewhere in the torso. And um, the only thing that's keeping, keeping Buford up is that guitar is um, caught up on the, the two-by-fours. So he, along with uh, Billy, he's he's apparently dead. He gets shot, and he's hanging there and not moving. Like, holy shit! Not only we just watched <laughs> yeah. somebody that we we some anonymous criminal get killed by Buford, and then a few seconds later, another anonymous criminal apparently shoots Buford dead. Yeah, like this turned. For about 10 minutes, this movie confuses itself with the Coen Brothers movie. Like, it thinks it's really, right. like, it it thinks he's making Fargo and he's not. <laughs> like, that's not what the movie has been so far. Yeah, the one masked robber jumped down from the second floor and got his pistol back from Billy. And Buford goes to jump down after him and the, his guitar gets caught up in the unfinished, like, you know, they haven't put the drywall up or whatever. So there's just the... Yes, that's the, exactly it the stud boards or whatever and he gets stuck on that so he, so he's hanging there and gets yeah he gets shot billy has to run away so yeah we assume that buford is dead he he got hoisted by his own guitard indeed is a note that i is a joke i thought was so fucking clever i had to write it down and now that i've said it out loud i'm regretting it <laughs> um. so, so after buford gets shot i don't remember did i guess well, so he has to just run away from the scene, right? He just flees the crime? Yeah, he flees the crime, and then we are given no time to actually, like, 
mourn Buford if we chose to, which I wouldn't anyway, but because the very next scene is Estelle saying, hey, Billy, get in here and look at the news. And on the news is local hero Buford Dill, right. who foiled, who was there to sell his guitar, or buy a guitar or sell his guitar or whatever, and foiled right. a jewelry heist because the the owner of the pawn shop, obviously wanting to distance himself from all of this and can't right. say what actually happened, is like, yeah, that guy saved my life. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So now Buford is like local hero. But also, he's still a wanted man who escaped from jail. And there, with, which the, And there have been zero repercussions for that at any point in this movie. The fact that they are escaped and, felons. And... Uh, <laughs> Like, the next scene is Billy going to see Buford in the uh, in the hospital, and part of that conversation in the hospital is that Buford wasn't even aware that, as far as, 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 far as Buford was concerned, he, Buford gets shot and passes out, and the next time he wakes up is in the hospital bed with Billy waking him up. Because yeah. he has no idea that the, the news has reported him as boiling up a robbery. Not only that, but he seems to have lost days worth of memories because he still thinks he's saying to Billy, like, is Tess here yet? Tess is co- like Tess, right. Tess is coming. And he it's kinda it's actually kinda sad. But so he has some kind of weird it amnesia. Because he thinks right. he's still, he thinks that who knows how far back it go. I mean he recognizes Billy, but True. True. I guess we don't see no I one else is in there, so he doesn't. Yeah, Tess is the first thing that he asks about. Yeah, he asks him like five times. You know, is Tess here yet? Is Tess here yet? Which would be kind of sad if this weren't the movie with the asshole chapstick. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard for me to feel invested. Right. In, you know. Right. But so they're at the, this must actually be a hospital. Again, when they ran up to it, it just looked like a little clinic. But it must actually be a hospital because they're in this hospital that Buford is in the, I would think, the ICU or at least just got out of the ICU from gunshot, right. near mortal gunshot wound. And they run right. into that pediatrician lady again who's like, oh, you brought, because she had made him sign up for parenting classes when she met him the first time. She's like, oh, you brought That's your whole. Right. I forgot the pediatrician is in this scene. Yeah. She's like, you brought your whole family. That's great. It's sweet when the right. whole family comes together. And he has yeah. to be like, yeah, this is my sister, and this is my other sister, and I guess yep. this is my aunt? I don't know. <laughs> like, So he has to bullshit. So they're all, and then we get a scene of them all sitting in the parenting class watching this kind of useless old video from the 80s. But it doesn't, we don't We don't get anything from that scene. It's an absolutely pointless no. scene that could be taken out. There's no, like, yes. dawning realization on the other members of the trailer park that like oh we should help him raise this baby or he, he he's right. right he should have this baby it's just them sitting there looking bored so i don't know if it's supposed to be funny or what but it's two minutes of screen time that's an absolute waste because nothing comes that, of it at all that's true so they leave that they get back to the trailer park and the cops are sitting there waiting and they think oh yeah shit. the only the only person who's actually paying attention to the the parenting video is is Billy. And Billy does look, he looks like he's starting to, it is finally starting to dawn on him that he would not make a great father. Yeah. During the few minutes that he's watching the video that occurs to him. 
yeah, Billy's getting something from this, but Stormy's like sitting there looking at her fingernails and Stella's exactly. staring off into the corner, like <laughs> right. eating a free donut or whatever the hell. Like, so I don't know yep. what the purpose of that scene is. But they get back to the trailer park, the cops are waiting, and Billy assumes, oh shit, they're here for me, because the cop comes up and he's like, hey, you Billy Raydine? And he's like, yeah, that's me. And he assumes, you know, they're here for me because he is A, in a taped prisoner, and B, has a stolen baby <laughs> in his possession. But they're like, oh, we got to talk to him about, there's a $10,000 reward that was put out by Vern's mother when he went missing for any information about his whereabouts. And we got a note telling us exactly where to find his body. And then we pan over to the cactus and there's like a backhoe digging out the shallow grave. You wouldn't need a backhoe. They put him down like three feet, but they're digging all this shit up. And they're like, so we found his body. We know what's up. Uh, all the details of the crime were explained because you were the witness, right? You wrote us that note. Thanks for the information. Here's $10,000. And he's like, what the fuck? And it turns out that Shauna Louise, waitress, anonymously wrote this note and signed his name to it. So she's basically turned to herself in by writing a note under his name so that he will get the $10,000 reward so that he can pay off Pinckney and keep the baby. And a happy ending for everyone, I guess, except for her, because now she has to go to jail for murder, <laughs> which well, right. I was not expecting. I thought everyone would get away scot-free. Scott, there was one of the only lines in the movie that didn't suck. Um, was for, it was by Dog. It's dog, dog. I don't even remember where in the movie it, it takes place. It's it's dog and and Billy are are um, the only two in the truck. And dog says they say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. What they don't tell you is it ends that way as well. Yeah, which sounds really deep and meaningful, but when you think about it, it really doesn't have any application in the movie. <laughs> like, I, well, don't, I don't know what that, Billy's learning the, from the that. The reason I thought of it now is because there's also a scene that takes place after he, he says that line in which Billy decides that the right thing to do is to um, bring the baby over to Matthew Modine's house and leave the baby with Matthew Modine to raise. Yeah, we get a bunch more of his narration from this letter that he's writing from the future that's saying, like, you know what? Everybody was right. You wouldn't have a good life with me. I, you know, I and love you. He, I love he you bring, he but... does bring the baby over. They take the kid into the house, and he starts, and uh, Billy starts walking away. And that was, and that's the, I think it's the final, final scene of the movie. Yeah, he's he's delivered the baby to Matthew Modine and his new fiance, who are going to take real good care of it, and he gets to come visit or something. He's Uncle Billy now. Right. We actually see a lot of scenes of them like hanging out and discussing it or whatever. They're not scenes like a montage. And he comes to their nice house, drops the baby off, and he's walking down the driveway, and he gets maybe 15 feet, and he finds her pacifier in his pocket, and that's the lightning strike is that's all it takes is for him to right. turn around in slow motion and run back into that very dramatically run back into the house and remind us that you have 60 days after right. an adoption to call it off and keep your baby and right. it took him 60 seconds so he runs back in and it's like psych no baby for you <laughs> and peace, exactly. pieces out down the street carrying this We're, baby we, we have a moment where we think that he did what would make the most sense 
and then he changes his mind. Yeah, instantly. We don't again. We don't. We don't get any time to actually think that Buford is dead, because the very next scene we find out he's not. We don't get any time right. for us to think that, you know, we don't. There's not a single scene of him like. There should be a scene of him sitting in the trailer alone and looking sad and down in the dumps because the baby's not there anymore. And then he runs back, you know, right. and changes his mind. But we don't get that. He literally walks five feet from the door and is like, no, and goes back. <laughs> so we get no time to absorb anything before it changes to the next thing. Right. So, yeah, so he's going to do whatever. He's going to make it work somehow and raise this baby. And then we get a scene of, he's like, oh, and, you know, your Uncle Buford joined the Moonies. <laughs> When he got out of the hospital, because we see him with, like, the shaved hair and the robe, and, like, he's getting on a tour bus with the other, like, (laughs) what? What? Right. Does that have to do with anything? But it's quirky, right? Please, please tell me it's quirky. Right. (laughs) That's all I care about. Um, He becomes a monk. Yeah, he becomes, yeah, like a Mooney or a Hare Krishna or something. Some weird cult where you have to shave your head and wear robes. Yep. And then the the actual last scene in the movie is the baby's, I would guess, seventh or eighth, eighth or ninth birthday. She's swinging on a swing, and Billy's there. He actually has, he's grown his hair out, and he's writing, it's the letter that he's been writing this entire movie, all the narration we've heard of him explaining her life story to her. He waited this long? I guess some of the details maybe aren't for little kids, but still, she's only eight or nine. She still doesn't need some of these details. But so all the narration we've heard of this whole story is this letter that he's writing to her and he finishes it now and she gives him like a slow motion thumbs up from the swing set <laughs> and then and then the credits roll and over the credits we get for no possible reason that I can fathom Gary Oldman and Mary Steenburgen in the trailer line dancing yes just with the, just the two of them not like romantically, just some kind of outtake, I guess, of the two of them right. dancing over the credits at some that point in the past. It's funny. But it's not. It's not even played for laughs. It's just like a I don't I don't know what it is. But especially since it would have had to have taken place before he became <laughs> before yes. he was shot and became Whatever, man. That's nobody's baby. <laughs> I'm done talking about it. It's not <laughs> There's a lot to make fun of, and it's fun to make fun of it. It's actually, I don't think it's as terrible as we made it sound. It is watchable, and it's kind of worth watching just because it's staggering that you've never heard of this movie. Right. It's staggering that this this movie has been out for 20 years with these people in it, and you don't know it exists until I tell you to go watch it. (laughs) So it's like this weird artifact of like that period of indie film. I do, I I, yeah, um... I don't hate it. It's not it is not good. Make no mistake. <laughs> but but it, it, um, yeah, it's got decent production value, which uh, as you had commented is more than some of the howling movies have going for them. Oh yeah, for this show. <laughs> I mean, don't don't get me wrong, we make fun, but this is Compared to a high percentage of the movies we bought, I watched for this show, this is like Citizen Kane. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not good. It's very odd. It's trying way too hard to be several things it is not. 
Right. But it's somewhat entertaining. It's worth watching once and then go back to forgetting that it happened. <laughs> like you were before you watched it. Yeah. That's my take on it. Is that yeah, the, basically um, your take too? <laughs> I enjoyed... Gary still has not done a, a great comedy. Um, I I enjoyed his film, Guns, Girls, and Gambling, which is exactly what the title sounds like. Yeah, I've never uh, heard In that. which he plays an Elvis impersonator. And uh, I did not realize until I was going back looking through the various people's filmography that said film is the last movie with Gordon Caduceus in it. It actually came out the year after he died. It was his last movie. It was this other obscure huh. crime comedy. So, yeah. Interesting. If we're lucky, yeah. Gary will someday do a great comedy. Maybe. Go, go watch Tiptoes. <laughs> I'll reiterate that. That's... Is that oh, yeah. Tiptoes, yes. Yeah, find that. I think it j- actually just left Tubi like two days ago, so I don't know where it's on. I don't know where it's at streaming now, but... Oof, I will it, look it up. It'll blow your mind. Down. It'll blow your mind. Um, it is that time of the episode when I press the magic button, as I do every week, to see what next episode of the movie will be, chosen completely at random from everything streaming. Pressing the magic button now. Next week's movie is The Return from 1980. It is on 2B. I feel like there's probably a lot of movies called The Return. So let's see if I can help people. In fact, I know there there's a Sarah Michelle or horror, Sarah Michelle Geller horror movie called The Return. There's probably like eight movies called The Return. So let me narrow this down for people so they know what their homework is. This is a 1980, I'm going to say TV movie, starring Sybil Shepard, Jan Michael Vincent, wow, Martin Landau and Raymond Burr. Martin Landau, wow. Okay. It is about, let's just see the description here. Two young children and an adult in a small town have an encounter with an alien spaceship. 25 years later, the children are reunited as adults in the same town, which is now beset by strange cattle mutilations. Okay. Yeah, it's no, not, I don't know. It's I have not, not heard of it. Yeah, so the return from 1980 on Tubi. But it's it's probably the only movie called the return that had civil shepherd in it so that should narrow it down all right everybody that's your homework for next week we'll see what that's all about uh where can people find you sir twitter and things like that i am i am on twitter i am on facebook under terry mundry just that no underscores or any craziness just at terry mundry uh, just terry mundry sweet I am, as always, uh, at Heath Lambert 78 on Twitter. The show is at That's So Random P2. The show has an email address, That's So Random Pod at gmail.com for all of your flowery praise that you want to heap on me. Or, uh, you know what? Write, write me your own reviews for Tiptoes when you watch it. <laughs> That's what I want. That's all I want in my inbox for now. Thank you again for the invite. Of course. Fun. The show is also, I don't mention it a lot, but I think a lot of people find the show just through the link to like the Podomatic website, but it's also on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on a couple other places. So it's actually really easy to find. So if you don't like listening to it straight off the website and you want to use your 
podcatchers you can. Another thing that I have weirdly never mentioned on the show is I am on Letterboxd. I have an account on Letterboxd and I have my, you know, I log all movies I watch just in general by year. So I have sort of like my 2020 and my 2021. And then I have a separate list of everything I've done on the podcast with my actual like star ratings out of five, which I usually don't do on the show. So that's the only place to see those would be on my letterboxed. And there's also my annual uh, October Spooktacular list that I do. And uh, what am I on letterboxed? See, I should know that, but it's never come up before. I am Grifter78, I believe. So if you're curious about any of that, what else I'm watching apart from the podcast or the actual star ratings that I'm giving the podcast, that's where you can find that stuff on Letterboxd. So I think that's it for me. You got anything else? Nothing else. Nothing else. All right. Well, on behalf of myself and Mr. Terry Mondry, I wish everyone a good week and we'll see you back here for, we'll see you return for the return and have a good week until then. Goodbye. Absolutely.